Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on Black and White and Red All Over. This is your host, Danny, coming to you for episode number 18, the Nicholas Anelka slash Mario Lamina episode. Uh, Moiskeen? Wasn't Moiskeen number 18? yes. Keen. Come on, Sergio, Maybe 18 can... episodes in, you should know the joke is for not good players. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, what if I'm, he gets I'm it just, again? I'm just really, yeah, exactly. I'm just trying to make it happen. <laughs> all right we are recording the same day as juventus actually played a game albeit a friendly against the third division side but we've seen andrea pirlo's juventus for the first time and let me bring in the, the usual crew here of sam lapresti hello sam howdy danny good howdy. to see you here good to be here we got chucks hello chucks Long time no talk. <laughs> good evening. Good evening. Uh, yeah, I hope everyone is doing well. And uh, indeed, uh, Nicola, Nicolas Anelka. At least, uh, I never knew if that S was like a silent. The last S, Nicolas Anelka. But uh, Le Sulk, not forgotten about. As we discovered on your on your book chat episode of the podcast, your French is much better than I. Uh, yeah, yeah, still still got a way to go. Way to go. <laughs> did, did Anelka even play the year that they loaned him? A couple, like did he a couple even... of brief appearances? Yeah, pretty sure he did. Just not. I doubt he scored though. I, I a few months ago, I think I wrote a a piece about like the uh, you know kind of like ranking all the free transfers that Juventus has had, and 
I'm pretty sure he, he played like 45 minutes or something. Yep. Overall, didn't score. He was actually the worst signing in my ranking. <laughs> <laughs> and that voice you hear is Sergio Romero. Hello, Sergio. Hey, fellas. As we mentioned, Juventus is played a friendly. It's loan friendly before kickoff Sunday against Sampdoria and Turin. And as we saw, and what we'll start out this week's proceedings with is a three-man defense. And as our uh, good buddy Hunter wrote on the site last week, that the three-man defense is possibly the best thing Andrea Pirlo can do, especially at the beginning of the season, knowing that as we were talking before we went on, I was I was the only one to you know stay up late night and actually watch the whole damn thing. What are you guys thinking that now that we've seen it for the first time, Andrea Pirlo is at least for the beginning going three five or three four whatever and and utilizing the wealth of defenders that Juventus has at least in the center of the defense to his advantage. I, I'm I'm really intrigued by what he's. But by what he's thinking and where he's leaning with this. I certainly think that with a three-man back, it's going to be a lot more solid defensively than it ever was under Maurizio Sarri. It could also be, we could also be looking at a little bit more from Leonardo Bonucci, who, you know, back when he was still at the peak of his powers, he was still dogged by that you're a, he's a three-man back specialist kind of a d- detraction. But with Pirlo seeming to play, be playing a lot more direct than Sadi or really, really Allegri either. I, I could definitely see him sitting in the middle of a back three and start launching those passes over the top like he used to and, and making good use of those. But what intrigues me more is actually not the use of the back three, but what, how it affects everything ahead of it. You know, Juan Cuadrado's played as a wing back before for Juventus and for a lot of his past clubs. Definitely can help with some of his less graceful defensive moments. But what really makes me wonder is the midfield. If you're really going with a two-man center midfield, that's not a lot of minutes to spread around to guys. And I'm going to be very interested to see who really becomes the regulars there for, for Pirlo. Today we saw Weston McKinney from what I was able to glean from highlights that I was able to see. Kid was everywhere. And, you know, just a lot, a big, huge bundle of energy, getting the ball and moving it really quickly. Rabio seems to be picking up where he left off at the end of last season. It's, it's going to be really interesting to see how those minutes are spread out and how the, the minutes up front are spread out and where everybody is going to be spread out position-wise up front. Because we saw, you know, we'll probably end up seeing Cristiano Ronaldo becoming more of a striker than he ever has been at the club level. And it's going to be interesting to see how he adapts to that. Frankly, I think that's better. I don't think that he's his play out on the wing is as advantageous anymore. So it'll be really interesting to see how, when Paulo Dybala gets healthy again, he'll be able to match up together. And what will happen if, if and when uh, num- the number nine that Andrea Pirlo wants arrives. So overall, a lot of some interesting some interesting things to do, but really, I think a little bit, a few more questions than answers just to, you know, here's the, here's your first look. Now we have to see how things actually come together. Yeah. I mean, I, as you, that's the same with you, Sam, uh, I did not see the game. Frankly, I, I actually, I'm embarrassed to say this, but I didn't actually know there was a game. (laughs) 
Shame. 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 I saw your uh, your post of today, uh, Danny. Your uh, uh, initial reactions, reactions, and uh, observations. Post. My late night oh. writing special. Yeah, and I was like, oh, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, shame on me for that. But I mean, I did just kind of just reading through that post and just reading through the general, you know, comments of people and just yeah, I mean general kind of feedback from that game. I uh, was able to glean kind of a general understanding of how that game went. And not to repeat too much of what Sam said, but I do want to address, well, first of all, one thing I want to address, which is the high press, you know, aspect of the game. You know, that's, that's good. That's fine. I mean, I, I like that. I mean, a lot of people like just that high intensity offensively and defensively, you know, people like that kind of high press in your face thing. Uh, I think it's become a little bit stereotypically kind of a, I don't know, it's become kind of a sexy thing to do to like, you know, a high press or the same thing, the same way that like, you know, after Pep with Barca, you know, Tiki Taka was like the thing, you know, the thing to do. I think kind of high press is also similarly that defensively like the thing to do because it shows like oh people want to like get the ball back people want to take the initiative my only question with the high press is like the sustainability of it over the long run and by that i mean sustainability over an entire season for a team playing uh one two three competitions being you know the champions league Serie A, and of course what's the other one coppa italia so you know if we're playing three competitions i mean i just generally wonder about the sustainability of a high press every single game you know 90 minutes full on because you know i'm reminded of marcelo bielsa who uh, is now leeds united who put up quite the spectacle uh, yesterday against liverpool i didn't actually see the game yeah i didn't see the game but like uh, i heard it was really quite something which uh (laughs) i just have to pick at him for this but i know that Pepu is like reading that i'm just thinking my God almighty, this is <laughs> the atrocity of all these goals and like all these goals scored and conceded. Ah. But, you know, Bielsa was criticized a lot, especially with Bilbao, I remember, for, you know, okay, high press, but then he would have like the first 10, 20, 10, 15 games of the season, fantastic stuff, you know, the first, yeah, the first like quarter of the season, really, really fantastic stuff. And then you just see the team slowly, slowly, slowly decline and like slowly run out of steam because of just the fact that, you know, that, and I mean, Bielsa's, Bielsa's next level, of course. He, I mean, his level of intensity of uh, pressing is, I mean, is, uh, you know, that's, yeah, extremely high level stuff. But still, I mean, that was a recurring theme with him. It's like his teams would just burn out over the over the track of the season because it just was unsustainable like that level of defensive intensity was just unsustainable so i kind of asked the same question for really i asked the same question for any team it's like okay is this going to be every single game or is it just going to be like you're going to i don't know uh kind of spread it over like the season like you know a few games really high intensity and maybe against lesser opponents kind of take it easy a little more. So that, that, that's my general question. You know, I like the romanticism of it, but I wonder as always, um, I'm that guy at the party that wonders about the pragmatism and the sustainability of it. Skeptical Chucks is back. 
Main so man. <laughs> putting a damper on a 5 nil romping of noted powerhouse, Novara, or whatever, that, however <laughs> that, that is pronounced. One of the only teams around that's undefeated against Inter. Really? Well, they, Inter are the, their, their only season in Serie A, they did the double against Inter. It was great. Yeah. It was wonderful to watch. I think the most interesting thing is, and, and we mentioned it at a previous podcast, you know, with all those transfer rumors and whatnot, it was, you know, we all wondered, like, why are there no more rumors about Juventus trying to sign fullbacks? And it might be, it might be what we saw today, you know, that it might be that the three-man back line is probably going to be the way this team kind of sets up for the season. And if you do that, then you don't really need like many fullbacks, which is good because we don't have many fullbacks. But yeah, just to kind of reiterate some of, of what Sam said also about, you know, the the jostling of, of you know, the, the squad is going to be interesting to see, you know, who gets minutes where and then how. Obviously, uh, Dybala was not playing. He's still injured. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of like where he fits in that in that formation, I mean, it, it was, there's a couple interesting things that, you know, can be seen as, as good, obviously with the caveat that it's a, you know, preseason game, it's against a serious, serious side, serious C. So, you know, not, let's not get carried away here, but, you know, a lot of positives. And the biggest one was probably McKinney, right? I mean, you know, spoiler for the column that's coming up next week for, you know, power ranking the Juventus squad. But he was a guy that initially I had pegged as, you know, depth depth piece, like he's not going to be a huge part of the team. But, you know, maybe he actually does get, you know, a little bit more playing time. I mean, he he looked pretty, pretty okay. I was actually kind of like pleasantly surprised with what he did. In the parts that I saw, I was happy with watching Luca Pellegrini playing and being given and being given a number that suggests that he's not going anywhere. He was out out there wearing number 17, which is not a number that is usually given to somebody that they expect to like, you know, two years ago when, when Moise Kane was around and we were all wondering if he was going to get loaned out again, then the squad numbers came to Matt. He was given number 18. We were like, all right, I think that he'll stay now. Yeah. He, he um, wasn't in the forties. Yeah. Um, Although Kulusevsky is rocking 44 again, and I kind of love it. So, I, I wonder how much that has to do with the fact that Douglas Costa is still on the team at the moment. That that is one thing. You know, talking about my talking about the midfielders. One of the most recent transfer rumors that I've seen is a straight swap for Douglas Costa and Thiago Alcantara with Bayern, which would be really interesting but also again throwing if you're only going to be using two central mids in a game you know throws a, a big fish into a into the minutes pond uh unless Pirlo has you know some ideas about you know doing Allegri life morphs mid-game but Kulusevsky who by the way as I, I think I've mentioned this I've mentioned this privately but I'm I'm cl- staking him now you Danny you have your large adult son Sergio you have your large adult son Kulusevsky is mine I'm calling him right now. I, I think you established that a few pods ago, but you know it's yeah. always good to reestablish I, your. your I claim I claim this land. <laughs> Time to start learning Swedish, then. Yeah, right. Although he's, he's he's hanging out with McKinney and Delix, so I think he might be part of the English <laughs> English speaking contingent. 
also with Kulusevsky, I mean, the, to think about the, the stir it caused in Sweden when he was benched for Sweden's first game of the Nations League over the international break, uh, to the point where the Swedish national team coach got really angry at the press there for asking him why he didn't play. Um, yeah, Zlatan got really... Uh... He had a word or and, two. And yeah, and Zlatan said, uh, said something too. A word or two too, with kind jokes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah no, let's just put it like that. <laughs> you know, it, and he did look really great. He assisted on the goal that Cristiano Ronaldo scored in the first half during the friendly with a really nice one-two pass. You know, when you talk about the right backs on the team this, you know, this past season, you had Costa, who is pace, and you have Bernadeschi, who is more technique. But Kulusevsky, I look at Kulusevsky and I just see power. Like whether he's moving forward or shooting or dribbling, there's just a power to him that is really, really, it, it's just, it's imposing to watch him play sometimes. And I'm really looking forward to him maybe, you know, taking that kind of trequartista position that Aaron Ramsey was in for most of the game today. See if, if they'll do that or if that'll be where Dybala slots in when Dybala's healthy, who knows. But yeah, Kulusevsky has me excited. Pellegrini has me. I, I, I'm I'm really glad to see that we we're going to be giving him a chance because he's played very well for Cagliari last year. And yeah, I I think that overall the fact that some of these younger players, McKinney, Pellegrini, Kulusevsky, are really getting some minutes is really encouraging to me. Yeah, I guess there's kind of a directness to uh, Kulusevsky's. Uh play, which, you know, kind of comes back to our earlier point of Pirlo at least seemingly playing a very direct style of play with, you know, with attacking anyway. Uh, and defensively, if you think about it, because high press really is a very direct way of defending because it's it's a proactive style of defending, which, uh, yeah, I mean, once again, I mean, is this permanent or is it is it permanent or is it just kind of a is he just trying things out right now? Because it's the eternal dilemma with friendly games of like, well, you don't want to glean too much from it because it is a friendly, but then again, friendlies are meant for experimentation. So, you know, you like to do some of it, but not too much. But then, yeah, it's a tricky balance. Well, isn't that part of the, I guess, as Sergio's coined it, kind of the fun of Pirlo being the manager now is that, we have nothing to go off of. So we don't know if he's experimenting. We don't know if this is his plan and that's what we're going to see, you know, in January, February, whatever. And that's what had me really intrigued about this friendly is just, we finally have something to go off of rather than one or two interviews. And, you know, one of those interviews being something on Instagram live with one of his, one of his buddies. So I think that that's for me, what this friendly was all about. We just have ideas now of what Pirlo might, and let me emphasize might since it's a friendly and it was against, you know, a, a third division team of where Pirlo might, you know, is looking at where he could take this team rather than, you know, as compared to Juventus's last coach, we knew what he wanted to do. Obviously he couldn't do it, but now we have, a, you know, now we have something for, for Pirlo at least to kind of be like, okay, here's, here's 90 minutes of foundation. Who knows if it will be here in October, but. It's something to go yeah. off. And yeah, that's more than we could say a couple of hours ago. Yeah, you, you call it fun. I call it pure angst. <laughs> pure. I think Danny mentioned it in, in his you know, recap of the game, but I think it, something huge too is Marco Piaca, my guy, my dude, is out there sure, scoring. 
I mean, you know, we're we're out here trying to get a number nine, and and you know, we've had him all along. This long winding road of, of his Juventus career is going to end. Allegri up did use him, him as a seconda punta for a while. Yeah. It's it's. I mean, listen, why not? I mean, let's let's try him out there. I think he scored on the friendly, and he scored against the under twenty three. So, I mean, that's yeah. two two goals, two games. Can't really ask anything more of him. It's going to be interesting, especially, you know, based on everything that I'm hearing, Luis Suarez is starting to really test the patience of the Juventus front office. And we'll see if that happens. Arek Milik looks like he's headed from Napoli to Roma. Whether that makes the Dzeko stuff come loose and at least make him a placeholder until finances start to stabilize after COVID is, if and when COVID ever gets into the rearview mirror. That's the one thing that Pirlo made very, very clear at the end of this game was he wanted that striker and he wanted him quickly. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So indeed, as you just mentioned, you know, Pirlo has now made it very explicitly clear that he wants slash needs very much a center forward, which it's just such a strange situation how he got into this. Yeah. How he got into this situation. It's just very strange. I mean, we had Manchukic and Iguain and then Manchukic kind of, you know, poof disappears much against everybody's will. And then now Iguain, personally, I still think Iguain has like one good season left in him, but looks like he's basically gone now, which, well, whatever, what are you going to do? So, you know, the question is, well, what if we don't get a striker after, what is it, October 3rd, was it? I forget. Uh, fifth. A fifth, right. Yeah, I knew it was fifth or third. Um, so, yeah, after fifth, what if we don't get a striker then, a decent striker? Uh, looks like Giroud is not happening. Looks like Suarez is a question mark as well. So, yeah, what what if? And I think that is a legitimate possibility that, in this case, Pirlo has to prepare for and, I mean, are we going to go the, um, the route of sp- the Spanish national team of not playing a center for- forward for, I mean, how long was it that Fabregas was the center forward for quite a while, actually? So, I mean, are we going to go that route of, like, a strikerless formation of kind of, kind of Dybala, kind of Ronaldo, kind of Marco Piazza as center forward? I mean, hell, even Aaron Ramsey put him in center forward? I mean, again, a la, a la Spain did with Fabregas, just putting him in center forward but I mean I think it's a legitimate possibility that I mean I'm starting to entertain yeah I'm starting to entertain that that reality of not having a legitimate center forward or, or a real wild card which is promoting a Primavera striker but I mean that's a real 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 wild card which to, to be honest and, and you know judging from again the one friendly we have info about maybe we just don't really get a striker because maybe you just don't don't need one at this point because if you're going to play with two two guys at the top with no real wingers per se that means that you know Ronaldo has to fit in somewhere up there and Dybala will probably 
to you have Kulusevsky, you have Costa, you have Bernardeski, you have a lot of guys that kind of, you know, are kind of like left in no man's land. And I mean, I wouldn't hate it if our two, you know, nominal strikers were Dybala and Ronaldo. I think his first season with the club for Dybala, he kind of played that second striker role with, with Mario Mandzukic at the time. And, and he did it pretty well. I, I, I wouldn't be upset at that at all, especially with the, you know, Suarez thing, kind of like getting getting muddy there for a second and, you know, not really being like a lot of options out there with the exception of, you know, bringing Moy scheme back, which is the only move that I would support, fully, fully support. But, you know, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting, especially with the formation that we saw today. I don't know if you really need a striker like like Chucks was mentioning. Well, I mean, I think if you're if you're going to go strikerless, then I mean, to me, I think you're going to need two things. You're going to need very, very, very direct wingers who really cut inside, and you're going to need midfield runners from well, yeah, from deep and consistently like midfield runners because someone has to make up that space there that that's not there. Like someone has to kind of create that presence that's not there when there's no center forward so i mean do we have that well you know just as we said with kulusevsky okay that could work indeed marco piazza that could work douglas costa i mean i don't know if he doesn't injure himself tying his shoelaces then maybe but but also yeah i mean for midfield now you you have mckinney that's also real energy and engine there so and he and mckinney is a hell of a header of the ball yeah, um, yeah. from everything that I've seen of him. He, his and, aerial ability is fantastic. Well, maybe McKenney can tie Douglas Costa's um, to shoelaces Shoes. for him so he doesn't get <laughs> injured. <laughs> as intriguing as that, like, purely strikerless idea is, you know, for years there, there's been that school of thought that the, the pure prima punta number nine is dying out in the game. But I guarantee you every coach no matter how progressive that coach might be, will tell you that every team needs at least one guy, you know, be it, you know, I mean, look at, if you look at Duvan Zapata in, in Atalanta, like he's, you know, that guy who will get in and abuse a guy in the air when you really need it, or just a guy to, to throw on late to be able to like just aim headers at if it's desperation time the kind of guy I, I kind of think of it as like Andreas Cornelius, you know, that just the, the huge dude who, who can go up for the balls that no one else can. Obviously in our case, Ronaldo also a fantastic header of the ball. So you have that, but I frankly wouldn't be adver- opposed to putting Mario Mandzukic back on the team. Just being like, yo, he, I mean, he is a free agent. Just be like, Hey Mario, sorry. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, 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 I think we'll end up with something because Pirlo wants it that badly. And I also just think from a squad building standpoint, I mean, then again, Fabio Paratici squad building has never been his strong suit, but you know, you, you want at least one of those guys. Yeah, I agree. And also, I mean, it's, I think I remember reading something on zonal marking, probably saying, you know, the death of the number nine, the death of the poacher striker. And, you know, I mean, I think the point he was making was like, there is not a need, or there's no demand, I should say, for the striker that does only one thing, and which is kind of ironic. There's a, there's a, basically no demand for a striker that only scores goals, which isn't 
complete kind of a, you know, kind of a perverse irony there. But, you know, there's a demand now for if you're going to be a striker, if you're going to be a center forward, you have to be able to pass. You have to be able to be a good header. You have to have good hold-up play. You have to be able to uh, drift out to the wings, drop deep, uh, you know, good pass. Yeah, good passer, as I said, and so on. So, I mean, I think, yeah, I think there, most teams still do want a center forward, just a center forward that kind of participates in play and does more stuff. But, yeah, I mean, it's a very 2020 kind of thing of, like, a very kind of, you know, futuristic kind of forward-thinking idea of, like, well, we're not going to play with strikers. We're just going to have, like, a fluid, like, total football kind of thing, which, you know, whatever. At the end of the day, if it works, fine, fine. But, like, you know, there has to be some kind of, deliberate thought to it not just kind of like well kind of accidentally since we since we don't have strikers since we messed up in transfer window in the transfer window well let's just not play any strikers then which goes back to the point i've been making about andrea pirlo and you know how attached is he to like a system of play or like a certain style of play or of coaching i should say you know how attached is he to it is he really which I don't think he is, but is he really um, a systems coach or is he just a, you know, just, well, today this works, tomorrow, next week that will work, so we'll go between that. Obviously, that remains to be seen because we've only had a grand total sample size of one friendly <laughs> to go off. also does make you think competition to competition how Pirlo might work things because, you know, teams that play a three-man back line do not have the greatest of track records in Europe. I can't remember the last time a a three-man back is their main formation won the Champions League. I guess uh, Europa League. I guess Europa Europa League, League, yeah, but the Europa League, but that's a step down. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. I mean, I guess Conte almost won it, so like, you know. You know, and yeah, like Conte almost won the Europa League in his last year with us in, you know, this past summer, but... Uh, you know, t- teams with a three-man back line don't have that kind of track record in Europe. It was one of the big reasons that um, that uh, words Max Allegri changed up. You know, that big, huge game against Olympiacos. He went. He finally was when he finally moved off the three-five-two, and so it'll be interesting to see what what he deploys continentally as opposed to what he he has in Italy, and if he has different ideas for that. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, let's steer things in a little bit of different direction here. Obviously, we've been talking about the team as a whole, but besides the given names, are there one or two players that you guys are, are looking at as to really like, okay, this this is a reason for me to be interested in Juventus this season, even though you know I'm going to be interested in Juventus regardless because I've been watching them and face-palming at them for you know X, X amount of years. First one I'll say is, uh, I mean, it's a little bit of an 
obvious answer, but I'll say McKinney. And not because of the whole, okay, he's the first American, but just because... You American Homer, you? <laughs> which is ironic because I'm not even... <laughs> I'm, I'm the furthest thing from American. That's but, the joke, uh, Chuck. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's Sunday, lads. I'm uh, thinking about how I'm uh, back to work tomorrow, you know. I'm thinking, oh, back to the office. But and So yeah, McKinney, kind of for two reasons. One is that, you know, I think we can all agree that he's technically the replacement for Matuidi, the younger and kind of more, you know, enthusiastic. Uh, I mean, okay, Matuidi was very energetic, but, you know, just the younger replacement now for Matuidi. And Matuidi, I mean, he played a very, very important role for Juventus and one that, frankly, people don't, I don't think people have appreciated enough. But, yeah, I mean, he played a very, very important role for both Allegri and Sari. So there's, you know, there's that reason. And then also just because he's, I think it's the first time in a while that we've made that this type of signing, A, like a, you know, a very young, energetic midfield signing, but also B, just kind of the first time in a while we've made this low key, cheap, really midfield transfer. I mean, we've, the last few years, we've gone for pretty big blockbuster moves. I mean, obviously Ronaldo, you know, Kulusevsky, I mean, it was pretty pricey i'll say while ramsey was as expensive just because of salary so <laughs> and of course it was Iguain from many years ago the Ligt, obviously huge huge I was waiting for you to remember that one yeah uh, you know i mean <laughs> save the best for last <laughs> now the bias is coming out uh, yeah i, I kind of wanted to like you know sneak it in uh you know, what, what is it the kids these days say uh slide it into the dms as somebody still in their 20s saying kids sharks i don't know what kid you not i only learned that term <laughs> i learned that term only i kid you not i learned that term only a year and a half ago like honest to god like only a year and a half ago I you're, I not like, mu- you're not much of a of a of a you know a twitter or instagram kind of no guy. no no i uh i mean i have barely have facebook and then <laughs> really linked linkedin i'm most on linkedin and cora which are sort of social media sort of not but anyway um so you know we've i think generally we've just been making a lot of blockbuster moves which uh, it doesn't actually sit very well with me because i think it just i think it really does shift a, a or sorry signal a shift in the priorities of juventus kind of the 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 ethos of juventus i don't know because like in the early days of when i was a U- juve fan it was almost exclusively like low key deals. It was it was the Kadira, you know, on the free from Real Madrid. It was the well, the Pogba, which is like, ooh, who's this guy? You know, it was those types of low key deals. And I feel like Weston McKenney is that type of deal for the first time in a while. You know, so um, that's why I'm kind of yeah interested or um, curious about him. Uh, and then. Before answering this, I had a different answer, but I'm going to change change it kind of mid-thought. I'm going to say Kulusevsky, after all, just after kind of those tactical points I brought up of, you know, if it happens that we have a strikerless formation, then direct wingers are going to be crucial. And indeed, he does seem to be one of... Well, does sound like he is, you know, one of the more direct wingers that we could have and sorry Douglas Costa but I mean I just I, just, I, I don't know I mean it's, it's I've reached kind of a boiling point with him man. I'm just like bro this is like absurd like imagine if I were absent that much from my job I mean come on like come on man but and 
Yeah, Bernadeschi, uh, I mean, he's more... You know, Bernadeschi, the more I think of it, the more he kind of reminds you of like a Dirk, Dirk Kuyt, uh, the Dutchman, another Dutchman, who was like, I mean, he was a winger, but he was like a winger, a functional winger that was there so that everybody else could do like the, you know, more the flair players could have the space. So yeah, the new Dirk Kuyt. But yeah, so I'll say Kulisewski and uh, McKinney. So, you know, let's, let's see what happens. I'm looking first and foremost at Mered Demiral, especially these early points of the year where, you know, we're not going to have Matthijs Delict until end of October at the most optimistic, probably more closer to Thanksgiving. His ability to jump into the, the back line, wherever, whatever form it takes and wherever he gets put into is going to be really, really critical. And he's going to have to, he's going to have to get in there because, you know, Chiellini, who some, by some miracle has suddenly jumped back in and been King Kong again, these couple of games that we saw, the game that he played against Holland in the UEFA Nations League and this, this game today, like, you know, after all that time, you know, first the knee and then the, 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 the leg injuries, which I always had, I, I always had a fear that something like that would happen to him after he was done with came back from the knee because you know when you have a knee injury like that your muscles are always compensating a little bit because your 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 body is still not used to being able to work properly again and for a guy with the history that history of leg injuries like Chiellini has I was waiting for that for him to get wiped out by those for once he came back from the knee he's a guy that that is going to need his minutes managed you know, the last year under Allegri, he didn't often play two games a week when there were two games a week. You know, he's, you know, Demerol's going to have to step up. He's going to have to pair up with Bonucci and or both of them. And he's going to gonna really have to, to show that the, the, the form that he was showing before he got hurt is what we're going to have. Because if we do, then the defense becomes so much less of, a, of an issue. And I'm also really, really, I want to see whether or not this is the year that Rodrigo Bentancourt goes from really going, like really rising to there. Like he's so close. He is this close to being that true world-class mid. And, you know, his, he's been developing so well for the last couple of years. I really, really want to see whether or not he's going to take that last step and be that elite guy in the midfield that I, that I think all four, of, all four of us here think that he has in him. Because if he takes that next step, the entire team takes that next step. He's got it in him. He's got everything. We've seen it so many times. Now the question becomes, does he put it all together this year? And, and instead of being like a really good B plus, become an A player. Absolutely. I, I actually, building off on, on what you were saying, I'm actually really interested to see the midfield as a whole, just as a unit, because we, we all know that, you know, Rabiot finished the season really well. From what we've seen in friendlies and whatnot, it seems like, you know, he, he's still kind of like that guy. So if you take a guy like Rabiot, take a guy like Bentancur, if he takes the next step, and then you add uh, the third part of that equation, which is Arthur, the new guy, the, the new signee, which, you know, if, if that guy actually comes in and develops and is a solid player, 
suddenly your weak link, quote unquote, which was the midfield, is looking pretty damn solid. Like it's looking really, really well. So I, I, I'm just really interested in seeing the how that midfield kind of keeps growing, keeps progressing. That they're all young guys too. So you know, if if you know they manage to kind of work well together, we might be looking at you know the midfield for Juventus for the next four or five seasons, you know, and and I think especially in that area, which has been pretty hit or miss for the last few seasons, to to finally have that like settled, I think it'd be it, it's going to be really interesting to see. And listen, there are worse coaches to have than, you know, Andrea Pirlo for that young midfield. You know, I, I think he's gonna be like a great influence on, on those guys. And I think they definitely have a chance to, you know, turn something that we all kind of consider the weakness for this team into a real strength. Yeah, one of the things that stood out for me both before the friendly against Novara and then during the friendly was in the in the warm-up and then in the cooling break, Andrea Pirlo was singling out Weston McKinney and Adrian Rabio and really kind of, you know, talking to them personally about what they needed to do. And, you know, obviously every coach does that, but, you know, these are two, and especially in McKinney's case, two young midfielders who are obviously, you know, trying to figure out a new system. But Pirlo was definitely just working with them exclusively as the other players talked about how the, how the match was progressing. And I think if, you know, like Sergio said, if you're a midfielder and you've got that former midfielder as your coach, at the very least, he's explaining what he knows about the position to you. And the goal is that they absorb at least part of it and can execute it to the best of their ability. And if, like we, we've been saying, the caveat is that this is a third division opponent, but if we see what Rabio and McKinney did in that friendly, and that's what they do more often than not, and, you know, Rabio looked a lot like he did post-restart against Novara. And then, I mean, yeah, I, I'm definitely along the same lines of you guys thinking, or of Sergio thinking that the, the midfield isn't as, as much of a black hole as it's been in recent years. And maybe not the black hole of death like, you know, we remember pre-title run days of, of Chuck's will laugh about this, of Momo Sissoko and, and, and others, but, or Felipe Melo and Momo Sissoko. Felipe Melo. Yeah. <laughs> as, as Hassan Salihamidzic, wasn't he in there at some point? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Less said, the better. <laughs> but we'll start our Twitter questions going kind of off, off what we were just talking about, or Sergio was talking about, from friend of the pod, David Desberg, at the True ROAC. Given this squad in its current state, what part of it could be an aspect of the squad or, or position group as a whole excites you and which gives you the most fear? And I think Chuck's is going to be Mr. Optimism and say that Andrea Pirlo is the thing that gives him the most hope. Well, you put me on the spot there. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> clearly, yes. And I say, I mean, I generally say this lovingly. I mean, I mean, as a fan and as someone that has the best interests of the team very much in, at heart. But yes, I mean, the, the just a general managerial situation, uh, I mean, just concerns me quite uh, seriously. 
yeah, once again, just kind of the lack of identity, just the fact that this is a pure, I mean, I just feel like this is such a wild card option to go for Pirlo as a coach. And I mean, I've, I've mentioned this a hundred times, just how I feel like there's still just a lack of planning, uh, strategic planning at at the club at the moment. And I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that at all. So yes, that, um, but again, I mean, I'm beating a dead horse here. I've, I've mentioned my thoughts about that many times. Most optimism, uh, I am going to say just because of curiosity, the midfield, I was going to say the defense. Well, I think the defense is actually, I don't know. This is, it's a strange kind of back and forth thing. Cause I mean, our defense last year or defensive defensively last year, we were, I mean, we broke all, all kinds of records, but the wrong records. So we were, I mean, we were just, we conceded way too many goals. But ironically, I think our defensive situation, especially center backs, I mean, we're really good. So, you know, that tells me it's just something about the defensive structure of the unit of the team. Because defense starts from the front. I mean, it's cliche, but it, it's true. Defense starts from the front. That said, yeah, most optimism slash curiosity, really, the midfield. Just with, okay, will Ramsey have a season of redemption I should have mentioned him, actually. Maybe I should have. Yeah, no. But yeah, will Ramsey have some kind of redemption this year? And yeah, with Rabio ending last season very, very strongly, will he continue that? Of course, McKenney. That kind of gives you that defensive solidity, I think, if McKenney is as good as we hope he could be. Plus uh, Rabio, who hopefully will continue his form. That would give you really that defensive solidity in midfield, which probably was the large reason that we conceded a lot of goals last year. So, yeah, let's uh, bring it on. Yeah, I think that it comes when it comes to most intriguing, most optimism, I think the midfield does kind of, you know, fit that, I think, for all of us because we've seen what could be going down and it's intriguing and we want to see where it goes. Most anxiety for me remains, even in spite of what Sergio was talking about before, is the fullback slash wingback contingent, which I think is still lacking in manpower first and foremost. But also, you know, it's it's it there needs to be a performance jump from that spot because they they didn't they didn't offer a whole whole lot last year you know, Quadrado's best games aside, you know, I have a lot of faith in Pellegrini. I think that he can be really good if given the chance, but Alexandro was up and down last year, needs to really give some proving to show that he was the guy that we signed still. And there's, there's no one on the right. I mean, if you're going to play Danilo in a back three, like you did today, and that probably was just because there just weren't enough guys available to go. You know, Demiral was probably, I believe he was on international duty with Turkey. He was probably just back. Delict, obviously. I don't know why Rugani. Well, did Rugani play in the second half? Demiral and Rugani both played in the second half. Both played in the second half. So that, that was Captain probably a manpower. Th- to you. That's right. That's right. Yes. But, you know, if, if, there's a, if there's a point where Danilo were to play center back, that leaves you with Juan and. Maybe Matthias Dechilio, if he still exists in a Juventus uniform uh, by, the, who knows? by the transfer window ends, who knows? which we don't know. 
you know, he kind of feels like he's coming out of a Stephen King novel nowadays where he just like pop where like he'll float in and be like, ooh, and then he'll go away. We haven't had somebody wearing the number two shirt for two years. What are you talking about, Cristiano? <laughs> no, it, I, I, I think there needs to be more depth in that area, regardless of whether we play, they, they're played as wingbacks or as, as standard fullbacks. And, it, and an upgrade wouldn't hurt. You know, I've got my fingers crossed with that, with that group. I think, you know, I already, you know, mentioned the midfield and I don't want to reiterate that, but, you know, I'm actually really, really interested in seeing our forward line or attackers because they have, there's so much quality there, but it's kind of like a mismatch. Like they still out there, you know, we already talked about, you know, they're still out there looking for a number nine. Uh, you know, you have Cristiano Ronaldo, you have Dybala, you have Costa, you have Bernardeschi, you have now Kulusevski. You have so many guys there, and it just it, it feels like the ingredients are there to to have a really really good you know forward line. But they're gonna have to figure out how to make it work, and I think that that's going to be just really really interesting to see whether or not you know Dybala goes back to being kind of like a like a false nine ish type of player. A second striker? Does he play? You know, in the in the hole behind two strikers? I mean, who knows? It's 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 going to be interesting. And if you do play with wing backs, then does that mean that you know Bernardeschi is now a wing back, or you know who like Douglas Costa maybe? I mean, it's just going to be interesting. There's a lot of moving elements, a lot of you know things to see. It's just it's going to be interesting to see if they can actually develop them and put them in the best situation so that they can be the best, the best players they can be because they have talents. They are talented. We all know that they just have to, you know, be put in, in the best position to succeed. It's funny that you mentioned the strikers, Sergio, because that leads right into our next Twitter question from at Jose C. Torres. Four, two, three, one is the only formation that fits Ronaldo, Dybala, Kulusevski, and a potential number nine without playing one of them out of position. Do you think we'll see it played often? And if not, who ends up being the odd man out most most often? Kulusevski is the obvious obvious candidate, but he's more flexible than Paulo Dybala. Uh, if I may take that one first again, I think four two three one. I mean, nothing nothing against that formation in principle, but four two three one with Dybala, Kulusevski, Ronaldo, and a potential number nine is extremely top heavy. It's very, I mean, that would, I mean, uh, I'll play it against like a uh, uh, Coton or something or against, uh, I don't know, who promoted again? Uh, I forget which teams. Uh, oh man, I should know that. But I, I remember Benavento. Coton was one. Benevento, I knew it was a B. Yeah, <laughs> I knew it was, honestly, I knew it was a B. Yeah, if we play like a Benevento or Coton or something, sure. But I mean, I don't know about playing that against uh, Inter or Milan, who are looking really, really good actually this year. So, yeah, I'm, a, I, I, I'm very reluctant to put a, put a team like that, a lineup like that, especially because there were already issues, you know, last year with just the lack of balance from the offensive players in terms of their defensive contributions. Yeah, a little reluctant about that. With the right two midfielders in a double pivot, it could work. And it could even work against higher level competition. That being said, I don't 
see it being a part of Pirlo's plan. At least not right now. He could surprise us because basically anything he's going to do right now is going to be something of a surprise. I I don't see it being a regular thing. I certainly don't, certainly not like the the 17-18 season. It could, as, as for who might be the odd man out, um, it'll really depend. You know, the only guy that's, you know, obviously going to be penciled in there is, is Ronaldo. Everything else can be really fluid, but, you know, Kulusevsky, I think Kulusevsky would play more of a role in the hole, whereas Dybala can definitely play either in the hole or as a second striker. So, yeah, it, it's, I, I think whoever com- comes up along with Ronaldo and Dybala is going to be a bit of a revolving door, that third attacker, whoever it is. I think Ronaldo and Dybala are going to get the majority of those minutes and whoever is up with them is going to kind of switch based on the game. We'll wrap things up on this one from at J underscore M underscore feel real. And I hope I said that right. Optimistic case for this season. Chucks go. Man, you are, uh, <laughs> I'm the uh, man of uh, happiness and optimism today, aren't I? Um, I mean, optimistic or realistic? Well, no. anyway, I'll take optimistic. Optimistic case would be winning the league. Basically, just a little caveat here. Saying that that is the optimistic case means that I am uh, not sure that this will happen or would be pleasantly surprised if this were to happen. So anyway, optimistic case, winning the league. Um, quarterfinal of the Champions League and semifinal of the Coppa Italia optimistic case I, I love that even in an optimistic scenario chucks cannot bring himself to to have the team pass the quarterfinals of the champions league it's optimism optimistically we win the treble that'd be like that'd be great that'd be awesome like that's the the optimistic world world of view you know but yeah i think it's uh it's more likely than not that they they will probably mount a a good challenge for the league. They they're still the best team in Italy, despite the, you know, the fact that uh, AC Milan is is better now. That Inter is going to have, you know, Arturo Vidal now, so they're, they're going to be, you know, they're going to be there too. We don't want to talk about that. That makes me sad. Yeah, it's a bummer. It really is. But you know, I mean, he's going to come in there and probably help them out, and you know, they're going to be right there. But even even so. Juventus is still the best team in, in the country, so they should win the league. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be just interesting to see, especially how they gauge the success of the club, what is expected of Pirlo in year one. That's going to be tricky to, to decide. I think best case scenario for me is... The, the absolute mixing optimism with realism as best as you can. Best case scenario for me is a comfortable Serie A title defense, a Coppa Italia win, and to edge this into opti- the optimistic portion, semifinals, Champions League. I think it can happen if everything goes right. I I think that's that to me is the most optimistic that you can get out of me. 
Optimism and realism. I like that, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> so if you morph those two together, what, what would it be called? Life. Opti- opti- Life. <laughs> <laughs> well, done. well done. I can't talk that. <laughs> all right. Let's, let's end it on that note. All right. Uh, thank you all for your Twitter questions. Really appreciate it. We had, we had a lot of good ones and kind of had to whittle it down to a couple here since we're, we're, we're running on about an hour or so. Thank you. As always, you can submit your Twitter questions to us at Juventus Nation. I want to say thank you all for listening, as always. Um, if you have a chance before the season gets going and we bombard you with article after article, you can listen to the book chat I had with Chucks about his upcoming book, You Say Soccer, I Say Football, which basically, as I mentioned on the podcast, kind of defines Chucks and I friendship. I call it soccer. He calls it football. So... <laughs> I just want to mention real quick before we sign off, wildfires have been ravaging the West Coast of the United States and especially for my area of Southern Oregon in Jackson County. Throughout the state, it's been bad, but it's, it's bad here knowing that two towns directly to the south of me have been ravaged by a fire that happened earlier this week, actually on the same day that Chuck's and I recorded the book chat. If you want to donate, it would very much be appreciated. Thankfully, I am okay. Let me just say that right now. I'm okay. I never had to evacuate. But you never know what can happen. You can donate at United Way of Jackson County. You can also donate to the Red Cross. There are also just, I mean, I have lost count of how many other GoFundMe or organizations locally that have been taking donations, be it clothes or financial. So, I mean, if you just search Google or Twitter, it's out there. So I just wanted to put, Sam mentioned before we hit record that I could give a shout out to Jackson County and let everybody know that I'm okay. So that is me taking advantage of said opportunity. Plugs as usual, you can listen to us on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. You can listen to us on Spotify and Google Podcasts. As always, as I mentioned before, you can follow us on social media. At Juventus Nation is the Twitter account. We will suddenly become very active starting this weekend. So for Sam and for Mr. Author Chucks and for Sergio Romero, this is Danny saying thank you very much for listening, especially during these tough times. Stay safe out there and we will talk to you after a Juventus game again next week.